Welcome to The Scope with Dr. K, where together we can reimagine GI care. Welcome to The Scope with Dr. K. I'm Dr. Kaczynski. We're going to open the show today as we always do by stating that the goal of this series is to present you with a broad scope of value-based care issues, mainly involving the field of gastroenterology, but also outside of GI as well. In this podcast, we are refocusing on the employer space, the entities that actually pay for the care provided to their employees. Our guest today is a real heavyweight in this regard. Dr. Cheryl Pegas is the Executive Vice President of Health and Wellness for Walmart. In this role, she is responsible for Walmart's bold healthcare vision, leading health and wellness across the Walmart enterprise. Prior to joining Walmart, she was president of Consumer Health Solutions and chief medical officer for Cambia Health Solutions, where she was responsible for clinical and consumer strategy to increase access to affordable and equitable care. She began her career in private practice for several years as a cardiologist, but later joined Pfizer, where she focused on the development of clinical protocols and early disease management programs. She's also served at Aetna, where her work supported a focus on wellness, specifically women's health and health equity initiatives and predictive analytics. She also served as the first chief medical officer at Walgreens. If that's not enough, she is co-founder of A New Beat, an organization dedicated to improving the cardiovascular health and careers of women and underrepresented minorities. She sits on the board of the American Heart Association and is the immediate past board chair for the Association of Black Cardiologists. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thank you so much, Larry. And I'm honored to be with you um, and look forward to our conversation today. Well, let's, let's jump right into this. How does health equity impact Walmart's customers? And what are you doing to address that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, you know, the, the comment about areas of work, I think for all of us, as we've been in healthcare, we've seen many patients um, and we've seen patients, no matter what their demographic or socioeconomic status, depending on where they live, the type of care they receive is really geographically based. And so there are some basic tenets of how I look at the words health equity. It is, can we provide health care in your community for you that meets the standard of care that we would want for ourselves? And so at Walmart, that's really our focus. We're a company that has over 5,100 stores. 4,000 of them are in HRSA-designated medically underserved areas. Just think of that. 4,000 of our stores. And why is that? It's because Sam Walton's vision was to reach these people who at the time couldn't get right normal things that you can go to a store to get because they'd have to travel so far. So he wanted to make sure that in those communities, people had access to all of the wonderful food products and other services that you should because of where you live. It shouldn't be a barrier to getting that. And we've known that for healthcare, that's a barrier, that you have to make it simple for people to access something like healthcare. Because even if you live in a place where there's great healthcare, having to take a day off, or for me when I was in New York, 
having to travel two hours on the subway to get to healthcare and get back, it is a challenge. And so what we think about when we think about providing healthcare at Walmart, it is how do we take our seven days a week, large assets, where 200 million people use our stores and our digital footprint every week? And how do we make sure that in this experience, we do more than just allow you to purchase your food? Maybe it's an opportunity to allow you to get a dental exam and we send you a text reminder when it's ready and your appointment is available. Or if it's early and you're buying clothes with your children, you now have an opportunity to get that done. If you came in to do all of your shopping for the day and you dropped off your prescriptions, can you pick it up on your way out? And because we are focused on making it affordable, where we have medications that are at $4 and $8, we're helping you even before you reach your deductible. Because I think many people think when they think of healthcare and lowering cost, it's for all of the people who can't afford healthcare. But we all know that most of the people who go into bankruptcy are actually people with health insurance. So can we first make it easy to access by giving it to you where you live in your community, providing more services so that you can get it in an all one and one stop for all of this? And can we make it affordable for you? That's our focus. That's what we're trying to do. So you've entered the provider space at Walmart. We have, um, but I would say um, as a physician, this is one of the, the humbling pieces for us all to remember. Pharmacists do a ton of care that physicians are unable to do because we really understand the cost of medications and the changes required. Walmart actually opened their first pharmacy in 1978. We've got over 4,100 pharmacies. And so that care that pharmacists provide, including MTM, medication therapy management, and immunizations, we've been in that business. What we've extended to is being able to provide primary care, dental care, and behavioral health and doing that in person where we've opened Walmart Health Clinics. And we've also acquired a national telehealth company where we're providing primary acute and behavioral health across all 50 states. Again, reaching communities where they may not have been able to be reached before, but then allowing them to have their prescriptions delivered to their home, particularly if transportation is an issue. Well, this, this fits what the American consumer needs and wants today. They, they want to obtain their care within the course of their normal daily activities. You know, you don't want to take off, take a PTO day to sit in an office for an hour and a half to wait for, wait for a, a provider to get to you. You know, one of the things that I struggle with is that when we think about Hispanic, Black, Native Americans, they constitute a third of the population of the United States. And yet, if we look at medical school classes, 5%, you know, you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's closer to 10, but there certainly is a tremendous disparity, a mismatch between the providers and the, the, the patients in the United States. And what can we do to try to 
smooth out those cultural differences so that the provider that, that is caring for these patients actually has some idea what the, what their patient's going through. It is, um, it is the reason I think that for many of us that we have not always provided the care that makes people want to come back and receive care. Um, to have that ongoing, because it has to be more than just, I took your blood pressure and prescribed a medication. We all know it. We call it the physician-patient relationship. What goes into a relationship is the same that goes into any relationship. How much of me can I see and do I feel comfortable trusting? I tell people the best metric of success in healthcare is, are you trusted? Um, because people will take a lot from a place and a clinician who they trust. The ways we look at that at Walmart is I mentioned that we've got 4,000 stores in medically underserved areas. By definition, these are communities that have large populations of Native Americans, um, African Americans, Latinos, Asian populations. The people who work in our stores come from the communities that we serve. And so the first thing that we ensure is that we're listening to our own associates. And that's what we call our employees at Walmart. Because if we're providing the right care and services for them that meets their cultural and community needs, then there is a good chance that we will do the same for that community. And so what we've done in COVID-19 immunizations is just a great example we have personalized our approaches to each community. Um, we're really proud of the fact that we have focused on underserved communities to provide COVID-19 immunizations. We've done that by first listening to what our associates be there in New Mexico, which is different from Georgia, which is different from Alabama, and what they need in education and who they believe are trusted people to get information from, and then how they would like to access care. And so we might partner with um, a governmental agency in one community as we did in Chicago in looking at a lot of the residential housing product projects and partnered with the aldermen to be able to go in and provide immunizations. Whereas in New Mexico, we've partnered with Native American organizations so that there's a trusted voice saying you should get these immunizations and here's where to go. And we have people who work in our stores who are from those communities. Same thing in Alabama and partnering with churches um, to be able to do it. So there's a, a humbling aspect of knowing that you don't just go in and, well, we know what to do. It's that we've heard how you'd like to receive care. And that for us has been really important because the way you prevent some of the chronic diseases that we're talking about is if people trust enough to come in early and we, in running a really hopefully good business, make it easy for you to receive care. Our NPS scores, as we look at our pharmacies and our Walmart health clinics, are somewhere in the 75 to 80 range, and we work on that. Um, again, we believe trust is the most important aspect of healthcare, and building that requires cultural concordance. It requires access 
that allows you to do it at a time that's convenient for you. It requires affordability and it requires us to continue to listen and to change if we need to zip code by zip code. As we, as we know the statement has said, zip code more important than genetic code for improving healthcare in this country. And we're pretty focused on that. I have to remember that line. That I may, I may use that one again. <laughs> I, re I remember when I was listening to you speak at the, the Blue Ventures Medical Advisory Board, I was struck with the fact that Walmart and its building of its success had to really understand the microcultures uh, of the entire country to be that successful. And I was impressed that you were applying that same knowledge base to healthcare. And healthcare really, really needs it. We, for instance, we lump all Hispanics together. Well, they're not the same. Someone, someone of Mexican heritage is different than Cuban heritage, is different than Central America. Their, their nutrition is different. The foods they pick they are different. How you have to speak to them is different. And it's, it was amazing to me that a company like Walmart was saying, well, we figured this out already because we know how we know how to sell to this this community, and maybe we can we can move that into how we care for them. I, I was very impressed with uh, your presentation. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's the interesting thing about healthcare: how much we don't know about the people and the communities, and how much we can learn from other enterprises. Um, so we may have basic science down and treatment. We have a lot to do uh, around engagement. We have a lot to do with how we collaborate in the different areas of healthcare to make sure that the consumer stays at the center. Um, Walmart and its assets, tools, um, success areas allows us in healthcare, um, frankly, to learn a, a lot from that. And then to make sure that our data platforms allow us to personalize by com communities. You know, I mentioned zip code, um, more important than genetic code. Well, we have a social vulnerability index, SVI, that Walmart has always used. Um, applying it across healthcare really allows us to be able to look at not only where are pharmacies and how, when should they be open and how do we ensure that we have the people serving in those communities who are from those communities, but it also allows us to look at where should we place our clinics? Where is telehealth more important because there aren't enough primary care physicians? Where have we seen um, the highest increase of food insecurity? And are we ensuring, even though we are the lowest cost provider of fresh food, what additional avenues we should do to access. And so we're fortunate on, in our healthcare business and being a component of Walmart to be able to take advantage of that. And now it's to execute on it. Uh, I've done health equity research my entire career. We've always known that I'm from New York, the Upper East Side of Manhattan is different from Brooklyn where I grew up. And we actually know how to personalize that for healthcare. Physicians dress differently on the Upper East Side than they do in Brooklyn. It's just, we've known it. What we haven't done 
is said, here's a model that we should follow. Um, it shouldn't be because someone's EQ or interest in, in this allows us to do it right. It should be, we actually know how we can do it at scale in a country that can afford healthcare. And so how do we do that and how do we execute? We hope to be a member of the healthcare community, not just in what we do, but with partnering with specialists in other areas. But most importantly, it's to be able to say, here's a model. We would share all of it with you if it helps improve care for all communities across the country. This is not a we win, you lose. This is how do we make it public and how do we make it transparent so that it's repeatable as we learn along the way. Let me pivot for a second here. I'm pretty, I think the listeners are, are pretty clear now where, where Walmart's going with its consumer base. What about your employee base? Um, I would imagine your employee base probably parallels the consumer culture diversity closer than, than, than most other entities would. Um, so in your health plans, how do, you, how do you work to build value for the healthcare your own employees are, are receiving? It's a re really important question and relates to a little bit of what I was saying. What we do for our employees, our associates, they represent the community. And so if it's working for them, it works for the community. We have a pretty impressive benefits team. Um, we were one of the first um, large employers to um, build out centers of excellence that no matter where you lived and you needed a hip or knee replacement, you could travel to Cleveland Clinic to get it and we would cover all of it. And so we're very focused on how do we make sure that there is access to care, telehealth, primary care, um, pharmacy, uh, medications at the right cost. Um, we do that for our employees do a lot of focus on how do we help people feel empowered to self-manage. So a lot of uh, tools for navigation, for understanding your benefits, for understanding how to access mental health services, be it in a telehealth manner or in person. We actually have a partnership with Thrive um, and what they do in helping you manage stress and anxiety. And then as you need more specialized care, really making sure that we're following a center of excellence model. There's obviously a focus for us in our health and wellness business on how we look at value-based care. But I would say our benefits team has really led as a large self-insured employer in how you look at improving care for all of your associates. Those models, and some of it has been published, they've done some Harvard Business Case um, review publications, has been lauded, but I think there's more that we can all do. This focus on health equity is not just in our business, but it is how do we, as a large employer, show other employers how we're doing it. So that, that whole transparent open the book and make sure we're sharing our results. I'd say it's happening across the organization, particularly in health. It is the, the area, I've been at Walmart now for 11 months. It's been the area of focus, right? Because of COVID-19 for the last year. Um, I'd say we're making good progress. We wanna keep 
um, demonstrating um, how we execute and then what the results are, um, much less interested in here's what it could look like, um, much more interested in here's what we did, here's what we're going to do next, here are what the results are, here's how we're iterating um, and continuing to improve. We're starting at a place of not this great healthcare across the country. We're starting at a place that we've got 4,000 stores in medically underserved areas, and you don't get that title of being in a medically underserved area because things are great. Um, we've got a lot of room to help improve, and definitely if for the upcoming year, we're very focused on how do we improve care in those communities, and it will benefit our associates as well. Why? Because they live in those communities and their families live in those communities. Yeah. I, I live in Chicago and I remember it was a big deal when Walmart opened uh, in, in certain parts of the South side of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that was, that made every news, news channel. It was, it was a big deal. Uh, I'm going to break here for a second. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the scope with Dr. K. Our guest today is Dr. Cheryl Pegas, the executive vice president for health and wellness at Walmart. Cheryl, I, I want to pivot once more. You mentioned centers of excellence. You and I are both specialists. Um, and so we, we come to this discussion with a knowledge of what it takes to, to care for the seriously chronically ill, the multi-chronic patient. Um, and although we welcome access to primary care, what, what do your clinics do when patients need specialty care? What is, what is Walmart's strategy for getting specialty care when it's needed? And so we, I mentioned centers of excellence as an approach and how we refer out, but it's really ensuring that you first get in the door before you even get to specialty care. So for many people, they never get to specialists because they don't have a base of fresh food, immunizations, knowing that they have high blood pressure or having have an elevated glucose. So first getting that done is a really important part of our business model. That by the way is a huge gap. And that gap exists because we don't have enough primary care in the US, but it's a gap that we can fill if we understand and recognize that pharmacists can provide care. Um, the way we utilize community health workers is important in providing care. So there's a layer that I think that we, we've got to make sure that we fill so that as we get to the other layers of the cake above, that that piece isn't being handled by specialists. And that's really important, not just for cost, but it's also important for increasing the number of people that specialists will be able to service. I think you're aware that about 80% of heart failure is managed by primary care physicians. So really important that that layer is really well-staffed and funded. Um, really important for me, and I say that as a cardiologist, to always understand that for many of the patients that a cardiologist may see you know, twice a year, that person is seeing an internist or a nurse practitioner much more frequently. And how are we ensuring that the evidence-based guidelines that they need, they have, and they also feel they can connect to a cardiologist. If you're in a medically underserved area, in general, you don't have a lot of specialists. We expect that tele-specialty 
um, opinions are key for success in improving outcomes for people with chronic diseases. Um, I think that will continue to be an area that we grow in. What we do today with our primary care clinics, um, where we have dental and optical included in at those sites, is we have relationships with partners in the community of different specialties who we can refer our patient population to. And we, do, we don't just give you a card for a referral, we make sure that we've made an appointment. We make sure that we understand your cost and your ability to pay. And we tailor our ability to do this by utilizing our community health workers to allow it to not be a drop off after this visit and then you miss getting the specialty care that you need. That's really important as well. So it's not just having specialists as we all know. It's can you get an appointment? Can you afford it? Was it health literate enough that you understand what the next steps are? And if you had concerns, do you have a place to go back to, coming back to the issue of trust, where you feel there's enough cultural concordance that you can ask the questions that you may not have asked? That loop is really important to us. And I think why the NPS scores that I've mentioned at 75 to 80 are important, but it's because we stay connected to you. We believe community health workers are critical for someone, particularly if they have chronic conditions to be managed, because the drop off is when they go back for their personal behaviors at home or managing social determinants of health. That's where you really need help to avoid the ED visit or the urgent visit to a specialist. And so we're really focused on how do we enable and simplify um, that path for a patient with a chronic condition. I've always been struck with a need from a top down in the leadership of the specialties to see if we can some way provide that solution to a a company like Walmart, uh, so that you don't have to find specialists for every one of those 4,000 stores in underrepresented areas. Is there some ability that you can envision that can top down bring some of that in? Well, it's so interesting you ask. <laughs> Academic organizations like the Association of Black Cardiologists and the American Heart Association are doing that now at scale. We see ourselves as being able to help facilitate for them the ease of how you do it with organizations that have the assets to be able to allow physicians to do what physicians want to do, but build out the infrastructure to support the care that individuals uh, may need. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. Thanks to our audience for tuning in. You can learn more about the show on the program's page on healthcarenowradio.com. And lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at HCNowRadio. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SonarMD. We're bringing patients, providers, and payers together to reimagine GI care. Until next time, I'm Dr. K. Stay well. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. K. Tune in with me next time to reimagine the scope of GI care. If we build it, they will join